you can't control other people. You can't control, you can't use technology to solve all of the world's social ills because there's this one factor, which is human nature that cannot be accounted for in tech. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Hey, this is Nika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Tech. And you're listening and or watching the Snob West Show, the show for Apple snobs where we talk all things Apple and then some. Welcome back to another week of the Snob West Show. Thank you for joining us. And we are going to go ahead and jump into the show this week. We're going to start with our first segment, The Lowdown, where we talk all things Apple. First up on the docket is um, iOS 15 beta. It is um, out and Safari is getting yet again another redesign. Um, the original design got some bad reviews in the last beta, so... They decide to, you know what, let's go in and put uh, the address bar back on top where people expected. Um, And it looks like it gives you the option if you want to um, put the tab bar at the bottom Mm -hmm. or have Mm -hmm. the single tab at top. So it's kind of like a cross between both. As the user, you can decide where you want the address bar to be. But it was a bit of uh, a ruckus when um, the last beta came out and the Safari was redesigned. People were not happy. And they, of course, went on over to the internets to let everyone know exactly how unhappy they were with the change in Safari. So... During that time, Apple reversed some of those changes. Um, Now, I know, so it's a good thing. Our feedback is a good thing, and it can be a bad thing. It can mm -hmm. be a good thing because, you know, the whole point, I don't know if the whole point of the beta is to get feedback. I think the point of a beta is to find bugs, you know, fix, fix features that are broken, right? And allow uh, people to make sure that their apps work with the right, new version. Right. Make sure everything works to where if you get a phone, you know, you're not going to be, you're not, you're not, you don't have obstacles that you wouldn't normally have with a finished product, right? Right. That could be a good thing. The bad thing is change, right? Because the way people, it sounds like the way people complained about this search bar being at the bottom was this is a bug, not a feature, right? Mm-hmm. When Apple was trying to modernize whatever they called it, you know, change is the mm-hmm. what end up it end up being a change. You know, we're used to seeing this a redesign. Top, right. Yeah. We're used to seeing it at the top. Now it's at the bottom. And obviously nobody likes change. But at the same time, change is good. So where is the line when it comes to change. Is it deal with it until you grow accustomed to it? Or the second we realize we don't, people don't like anything, we're going to change it. You know, it's so, like, yeah. where, how, how do you, how do you, 
get innovative and how do you, you know, introduce new things without, uh, uh, you know, upsetting anybody, you know, without, you know, you got to. And having to go back and rework because they probably checked this off their task board as done. So now they have to go back, put resources on it, take resources off what they had planned for someone else to do now they got to go back in and redo this and it's a really slippery you know slope because was it really that many people complaining or were the ones complaining very loud that's one two as you mentioned change is is inevitable and some people just don't like it especially in the snob (laughs) the apple snob community they Do not like change so much. But if you think about the whole kind of dust up with Twitter, with the way they change the colors and the follow, follow or Mm -hmm. following button, people Mm -hmm. are on Twitter for days talking about, I still can't figure it out. I don't understand it. But did Twitter change it? Nope. They was like, you're going to learn how to rock with these new changes or you're just not going to not use the app. And we know people are not going to not use the app because Twitter is, is Twitter. But at the same time, you know, you do want to listen to feedback and you do want to take that feedback and, you know, create the best product as possible. Again, is this Apple taking feedback and deciding to, you know, adjust their change or uh, adjust their design? Or is this just people complaining for the sole sake of complaining without really integrating the new change into their or giving it a chance use right giving it a chance right what is this yeah yeah Yeah. so it it seems as if it it doesn't really matter because they've gone back to um the previous design and it gives people the option to try the the old new design if Mm -hmm. if they want so maybe they'll bring it back in a in a different release I guess to give people, you know, time to get accustomed to the change. But right. yeah, it's it's interesting to see how, you know, an address bar location can cause Apple to have to use Kick up all this dust. All this dust and use mm. a lot of resources that they probably had already allocated to another project to have to go back and say, you know what, let's go back and and undo what we did so that people won't be mad at us. But I guess better do this in a beta versus in a release where you got to issue a new update, you know. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, Next up, uh, we talked a little bit about this um, on the the pre-show as it relates to um, the the news that the Taliban has now regained control of of Afghanistan. But I found this article and I thought it was very interesting how the cross-section of technology and, you know, politics really cross over lines, how technology really is embedded into the fiber of, of our society now. So it looks like um, Face ID, which is, of mm-hmm. course, on the iPhone, it could now be used to help protect um, some of our Afghan um, allies um, and and folks against um, some facial recognition tech that um, the U.S. has, but now the Taliban also has. So um, I thought this was was very interesting. It's it's not a super long story, 
but it's a lot of, of information included. So I definitely suggest, you know, everybody take a, a second to read about it because I think we're all pretty much aware and it's kind of on the minds of everyone now, um, what's going on in Afghanistan, what's going to happen to the, the, the people in that country who, who stay and can't leave. And also for the people who will become refugees that come into not only our country, but in countries around the world where they, um, resettle. But, um, one of the things is the face recognition and fingerprint devices and also the databases that are related to that technology have been, uh, seized for lack of a better word, by the Taliban. So it's one of those things where when you're in the middle of essentially a coup, I don't know if you could call it a coup because it's something, I guess, that the United States was handing back to to the the Afghani people. But mm-hmm. in 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 the in the abrupt nature of you know the United States drawing its forces from the country. Um, there were some things that were left behind. And unfortunately, those things have gone into the hands of, of folks who have been proven to not be very, um, nice people and who violate human, violate human rights, you know, at every turn if you aren't considered quote unquote one of them. Um, so, uh, reading this article from nine to five Mac, it pulls information from a couple of different sources. Again, I said, you can read the article in a little more detail to get a little bit more context because I do not proclaim to be an expert on any of this, but just based on the information, um, that I am seeing, um, it looks like, you know, of course they've, they've collected this biometric data. Um, so ultimately, um, these devices, um, known as hide handheld interagency identity detection equipment. Ooh, that's a mouthful. Um, they were, um, uh, seized. Um, and again, in cooperation with the United States. So all this information is now in the, in the hands of, of, of the Taliban. But what so, human. So w- w- make sure, <laughs> make sure. <laughs> Uh, this is explained right, right? Um, <laughs> the U.S. military was in a hurry to leave Afghanistan that they left all this equipment laying around and the Taliban said, oh, thank you. So they have seized uh, this, all this stuff. Equipment and, and database. Yeah. Right, right. Which is weird. You would think, again, I'm not a uh, military expert, but that would be the first equipment that would have been on the planes or the stuff that would have been top secret, top first. level, top priority to uh, to go. You know, it's almost like gifting the Taliban all this additional equipment, specifically um, face detection information that they can then use. Not to say that they're going to, but the, it's a prob- it's a possibility that the Taliban could use this information that was left by the United States military to do uh, identify specifically people who assisted the United States, whether it be interpreters, whether it be other, you know, civilian military over there who, you know, the U.S. trained, you know, whether it could be political people who spoke out against uh, um, news reporters, spoke out against the Taliban. So all of this information that the United States has been 
collecting was left. So now, again, like I said, the story is trying to show people, okay, here's how you can do to protect yourselves. Right. So it's really, um, again, as, as Terrence mentioned, it's, uh, it's, I don't, unfortunate seems to be a word not strong enough. Um, honestly, it, it feels a little bit, um, what's the word? Negligence. Is that the word Mm -hmm. I'm looking for? Um, that this is, is even the case. And, uh, Human Rights First, um, says, I'll read the quote that they have. Um, it says, it's talking about the tech that includes, of course, the facial recognition. Um, it, they're saying, we understand that the Taliban is now likely to have access to various biometric databases and equipment in Afghanistan, including some left behind by coalition military forces. This technology is likely to include access to a database with fingerprints and iris scans. So, your eye scans and include facial recognition technology. Overall, it's very difficult to avoid recognition based on biometric data, but there are some things you can do and some things you shouldn't and some you shouldn't. So it's basically saying that this is a... This is how you trick the system. Yep. Mm-hmm. And how you really just gave some really dangerous people even more ammunition to to cause harm um, to to innocent people who were in essence trying to make their country safer and better for themselves to live in. So that being said, um, of course, the concerns are most definitely out there. Uh, as we mentioned earlier uh, in the pre-show, how much can you really trust what the Taliban as the new leadership, what they're going to do now, it's all, we're not going to do A, B, C, and D. We're not going to find people or try and hurt them or harm them. But at the same time, you have all this data and all this technology to do so. Um, So it's just another thing that has, you know, come out of this, um, this whole, Situation seems to be a not, I guess, all-encompassing term, but in the state of of where we are internationally um, on the United States side, and of course the innocent citizens of the country of Afghanistan. Right. So it'll be interesting to see if this will be addressed by, um, I guess, any uh, U.S. official. Um, or if well, there are going to be some new protocols put in place that, hey, if we're trying to get out of somewhere quick, we want to make sure we get the data and the well, devices. When you, well, when you watch movies, <laughs> again, I'm not a military <laughs> expert. When you watch movies and people are trying to get out of a place, what do they do? They uh, shred papers, they pour gasoline on computers, and they light them on fire. Why couldn't you know, they just light it up? Torch? Yeah. Torch everything on the way out. You know, it's yeah. just, it seems weird that they just left this stuff. And I think that's what this all boils down to. You would think that they would, wouldn't give stuff to the Taliban. We understand them taking over. We understand them trying to reclaim their land back. But on top of that, you giving them gifts too? Is that yeah. what we're doing over there? That's yeah. And especially gifts that have actual acronyms for what they are you know the government Mm -hmm. loves acronyms so you would think that this would be something that they would 
protect and make sure that they either destroyed or, or took with them. So, um, more to come to see if the uh, government or the uh, military says anything relating to this, because I saw this on nine to five Mac, but I also saw it on multiple other um, tech sites as well. So it's, it's out in the tech atmosphere. So it, it's only a matter of time before it likely makes it quote unquote mainstream. And by mainstream, I mean your, your news shows, your pundits, you know, starting to talk about it. So It'll be, um, you know, I don't want to say interesting, but it will be interesting to see if there are any additional changes, which we may never know about to, to come into play, to combat this type of, of activity. Because again, this data is extremely sensitive. Um, and you know, just imagine if a, if you want to equate it, if you think about some of the, the, the KKK or some of these white supremacy groups getting biometric access to, you know, information on, on people that are quote unquote against them, what could be done with that? Again, I don't think most of those folks have the IQ to be able to do something with this, but folks like in organizations like the Taliban definitely have um, people on payroll that could know how to get the biggest benefit out of this type of information. So all this to say is it's very disheartening to see that this is, uh, this is not good. So, all right. All right. Um, and again, I definitely encourage you to read the article and get uh, your additional understanding about this again. Terrence and I aren't military experts, but it seems to be that there are a lot of things to play um, as it relates to what was left behind and seized by the Taliban. All right, um, moving right along, um, Apple and SharePlay. So it sounds like SharePlay will not be included initially in the um, in the upcoming iOS 15 release. If you remember back um, in the uh, last Apple event, they talked about SharePlay, um, and I'm trying to remember, I do believe uh, this was one of the things when we did the recap that I said that I was interested about, meaning if I'm watching something on my phone, I can share it with Terrence, and we can watch together on our own devices. So if you say, ooh, this, this is a funny video I saw, blah, 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 SharePlay it, to your friend or whoever, y'all can watch it together and enjoy the laughs or whatever it is that you are watching. But it looks like this will not be included in um, the release that we're coming for uh, iOS 15, iPadOS 15, tvOS 15, or on Monterey. Well, um, so the, the story is not misleading, but... They are led to believe it won't be included in iOS 15 at launch because the feature was disabled in the beta versions. Apple hasn't came out and said we're not going to include this in the launch of iOS 15. If you even think back to the actual time that Apple released it, all they said was an upcoming iOS 15 feature. They didn't say upcoming when? iOS 15 feature at launch. 
mm-hmm. right? So, you know, the uh, nine to five Mac people where uh, Nika's reading is from, you know, they are making the making assumption, an assumption that it won't be included in iOS 15 at launch because they disabled it in the beta versions of whatever all the different iOSs or Mac OSs or TVOSs leading up to it. So, again, Apple never promised that. So it could be iOS 15.2. Whatever the case may be, it still may get there. It just may not, according to this story, be there on, you know, September, whenever they launch iOS 15. Right. Because looking at the article, it says Apple says that SharePlay has been disabled in the developer beta and it being disabled in a beta, as Terrence mentioned, is not indicative that it won't be ready at launch. Again, maybe they're doing some tweaks to it. Maybe they think the tweaks will be there. Maybe they won't, but they aren't promising as Apple really doesn't necessarily promise anything um, that you'll see or when you'll see it. They say, oh, we got this cool thing coming. Right. Yeah. Right. We got this cool thing coming um, and it's coming soon, but they don't tell you when. But it's kind of like when your appetite, oh, this is coming. This is cool. And people automatically expect because this was announced at the previous um, announcement uh, event that it was a go at the beginning. So we'll see, um, you know, what happens. And again, a lot of times this is, you know, launch prep to see, you know, uh, are we there? Do we think we'll be there? Or no, we won't be there. And it's usually kind of a, like I said, a game time kind of launch decision to see where they are with whatever the changes they're making or whatever they're adding or whatever they're doing to even see if it will be ready. So we'll see if it does come out on the initial release or if it's something that will be down the line. Again, um, we'll just have to wait and see because Apple has not given us their roadmap of when these things will be fully delivered. All right. Um, the next thing for Apple, um, uh, both Terrence and I have Apple watches and we really enjoy them, but it looks like, um, a patent that Apple has real, um, it, it indicates that you may be able to measure your hydration with the, um, Apple watch. It doesn't say, again, like we just said in the last story, Apple doesn't give us our roadmap. So we don't know if it's going to be ready for Watch Series 7 or if it's something down the line. But Apple is working on, it appears to be including um, the feature to be able to measure your hydration level, whether you are too dehydrated or you... um or you need, or you're good to go. Um, so the patent uh, was published today. To the the information about the patent was published today, um, Wednesday, um, regarding this hydration uh, measurement with the Apple Watch. And uh, I'm not going to read what it, the abstract says, but it essentially says that this patent will give you the ability on your wearable device to track. Your hydration levels, um, kind of um, similar, assuming similar to how you can do your heartbeat, 
um, how you can do your breathing, all those type of things. But essentially, it's going to take your perspiration levels and determine whether you are hydrated um, enough or what your current levels of hydration are. So it just seems as if another way for the wearable market to be further used to to in your everyday life to measure and get metrics on your overall health. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? So we'll you interested in it? Uh, no, it'll definitely be useful. Um, I don't drink water that much. So <laughs> <laughs> that's just another thing. And my watch will be screaming at me about uh, wash your hands, drink water. So uh, just another thing for the bug. Me, Take which, a breath. Again, check your heart yeah, rate. T- take a, right, 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 right. Another thing. Did you fall? Got another wife telling me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> drink your water <laughs> right all right so i think that's cool um again uh, we've seen how some of the other health metrics have helped folks in the past so it looks like this is another one to keep an eye out for um whether it be in the near future or a little bit down the road all right i believe that is it for the lowdown unless there's uh, I got anything else yeah, you, you want to talk about Okay, go for it. <laughs> it's dumb. It's dumb. <laughs> so um, it looks like there was some sort of a community insider, uh, Apple community insider that was leaking uh, information to the public. You know, we get all these rumor mills. We get all this supply chain information. Uh, one member of this leaked community is deciding to speak out against Apple because not only was he a community insider who was leaking information, according to him, he was also a double agent actually working for Apple to help them identify people who were leaking information. <laughs> he shared. So he was story. a narc, basically. <laughs> yes. So in addition <laughs> to that, he was um, he's sharing his story because according to him, <laughs> stupid. According to him, he believes he was taken advantage of having never received compensation and having never worked for Apple. <laughs> so he's sharing his story because according to him, he didn't get Apple, paid, he didn't get paid <laughs> because he was leaking information. <laughs> so I just wanted to share that story that the nerve of this guy. The nerve. Uh, so right, it's like right. you didn't get paid because you were still leaking. So we figured, you know, we kind of cancel each other out. So we didn't have to pay you because you're getting all this clout or press or money for leaking stuff. But you're right. also reporting back to us, the other people who are leaking. Right. That's... So I don't know how. Sound like he got played. <laughs> Sounds, but Sounds like so, it. Because if, I mean, you've seen this in movies before. People being double agents. and uh-huh. Corporate espionage is a real thing. Right, right, right. But, you know, the company knows who you are, but mm-hmm. they lead you out here to, all right, well, you're going to play us. We're going to play you back, right? Mm-hmm. So that whole circle, right? But according to this guy, his name is uh, Andre Shemako. Um probably butchering his la- name, but he says uh, he established a relationship with Apple's anti-leak team, officially called Global Security, after he alerted them of a potential phishing campaign, phishing campaign against some Apple Store employees back in 2017. Then in mid-2020, he tried to help Apple investigate one of his worst leaks in recent memory and became a quote-unquote mole 
as he put it. So, just reading that, (laughs) it leads me to believe that he thought he was working in conjunction with Apple to do all of this leaking information and, 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 you know, he teamed up with Apple <laughs> to do all this stuff. When Apple was like, uh, bro, it, it wasn't like that. <laughs> we wasn't into you like that. We wasn't checking for you like that. You thought you was giving us these little nuggets of information, but we all knew all along, not only was your information not really that helpful, you got the nerve to then leak <laughs> information from Apple to the public and think you're going to get paid? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that he felt that he should come out and say something, that's the bold part. It's like, you're telling yourself, bro. Right. So he said, and he goes on in the story to say, uh, Shamiko Shemik, Shemik, said he was hoping that by helping Apple, the company would help him in return again. Hoping if I have a contract with you, I'm not hoping you're going to. I'm not hoping nothing. That's already established. For my services. There's no hoping, right? So he says, in hoping that by helping Apple, the company will help him in return, but that he he said never happened. And he's now questioning whether he should have helped Apple in the first place. (laughs) It's like the nerve of this dude who was leaking information about Apple thought that he could get some cool points by tipping uh, tipping Apple off and then assumed that he was going to get looked out. And when it didn't happen, got upset. But again, the audacity of people these days never cease to amaze me. So that was my story I wanted to share. I just read that real quick. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> Very much so. All right, let's head on over to Second String where we talk all other tech. Um, I saw this next article and I was like, okay, this is helpful as a person who uses uh, Pinterest. Um, So Pinterest is adding a new search filter for different hair textures. I thought this was really cool because I get tired of going on to Pinterest and having to add black girl to whatever my search is just just so that I can get the information that I'm looking for, especially when it comes to makeup, hair, styling. I want to see things in my shade and in my hair texture. But what they're doing is this new search tool is going to help people without them having to put quote unquote black girl or natural hair at the end. They are including, um, when they, when, when users, when people search for hairstyles, there's going to be a new filter option and it'll have curly, coily, wavy, and straight textures um, as well as shaved, um, protective style, protective styling or bald, um, bald head will, will automatically appear in that search bar. If you use Pinterest, you know, it's a bit intuitive that when you start typing something that'll try and fill in the blanks for you. So this is another way that, um, that Pinterest is trying to cater to their users who are, Black people and other people of color when it comes to what they're searching for um, on on the platform. So Pinterest says that they created this with Black, Brown, and Latinx people in mind. Um, and yeah, and I agree with the quote that says, just a simple idea that I don't have to work twice as hard to find hairstyle because my hair type is a game changer. Um, who it's 
that was a quote from Naima Lafond, who is an editorial hairstylist and global artistic director for Amika Hair Care Brand. Who has a long title? But yeah, mm-hmm. so um, I think um, for me, like I said, I get tired of having to type black girl or natural hair when I'm looking for something specifically related to me as a black woman on Pinterest. And it also said, and Pinterest is also saying that this is building upon their already existing feature um, that they came out with in 2018 where um, skin tone search filters. Now, again, I still have to put black girl on my searches. So the skin tone thing, I, I don't know. Well, uh, I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming the technology is getting there. I'm pretty sure it's not foolproof, but um, this could be a positive for Pinterest because it sh- it gives them the ability to flex their muscle when it comes to the technology that they themselves are building by saying, look, you know, we've got this advanced search technology that will help people no matter who they look like. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know of too many people. Well, I mean, I know people, but there aren't too many people out there going to be like, this is a terrible idea. No. As opposed to all the people are going to say, oh, thank you. Like you already said, yep. I've been looking for this. This is something I struggle with. This is an obstacle I've been trying to get over. Now, with the addition to this, that helps these X many people versus somebody saying and they're out there. Well, you know, uh, uh, why don't we have, you know, to, to use this, you know, uh, comparison. I know where you're going. Yep. Why don't we have white entertainment television? You know, well, because you're the default. Right. Because your everything is already built for you. So to be able to then have to go in and add these additions, these new things, you know, that is being inclusive of your customer base, which and it's lessening the black tax um, for as the, the hairstylist, the quote that I read earlier, it takes twice as long for me to find what I'm looking for because I have to be super specific to find it like the new mm-hmm. hair color I have. I found it on Twitter, on on uh, Pinterest, but I had to specify the color of hair I wanted and the mm-hmm. type of person that I was looking for that already had it. So mm-hmm. when I go to show my hairstylist, hey, I want this color, seeing this color on a white face and seeing this color on a black face would be completely different. So right. it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that, you know, minorities, people with different skin tones, People with different hair textures, just different people have to default to this one thing. And then we have to use our imaginations to try to figure out how to adapt it to us. It shouldn't have to be like that because that's now that's not how the world is. So it is nice to see that technology can catch up with how the world is. Right. And it looks like it makes sense. And it looks like the base that the Pinterest engineers used to make these filters it started from a Mahdi face ai library i have not heard of that so i'm assuming it's a a library that has you know different skin tones based on mm-hmm. melanin to make it uh easier and um it says that they basically adjusted um the algorithm so that it can categorize skin and skin tones in low light so that helps to make it easier for people to be able to detect what the different range of skin tones. I mean, if you look at any 
black person or any black family. You can look in one black family and you can have the lightest of the light to the darkest of the dark in one family because genetics and, you know, we're mixed in with a bunch of stuff. So, you know, it all depends on, you know, in the genetic lottery, when you get assigned it at birth, you know, what you will come out looking as. So it's, it's it, it runs the gamut. So I'm definitely, I give Pinterest a little bit of applause there, not too much because they still have some things outstanding where they, um, with black women, but, um, who were employees, but this is definitely a step in the right direction to make sure that their platform is accessible and easily used by all of their users, not just a specific group. So, um, that was a little bit personal to me. So I was like, that's pretty dope. So that's that. All right. Um, this next, uh, story. Data breach after data breach after data breach. This time, the data breach is courtesy of T-Mobile. About 47 million total um, users were affected. About 7.8 were for postpaid accounts and about 40 million of uh, current and potential customers um, had their data compromised. Um, And, you know, it's one thing for... Uh, you know, people, they get a data breach, but everything was anonymized, encrypted. No one could tell what the data is. Unfortunately for T-Mobile, some of the data that was um, breached um, included first and last names, date of birth, social security numbers, driver's license, and ID information. And if you have that suite of information, you can steal somebody's identity. Right. With, and with next, gonna, with no effort, really. Right. I was going to say in my, uh, for the hookup, I was like, if you're a T-Mobile uh, user, make sure you change your password. But that really don't count because they already got your first and last name, date of birth, social security number, and driver's, and driver's license, license or ID information. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, it's pretty <laughs> wild because honestly, I first saw this on the shade room Mm -hmm. and i know two of my friends use t-mobile and i was like hey y'all you may want to put some credit freezes on your accounts because this is a pretty big deal and apparently the person or persons who um access this data um i don't believe it says on this article but on the shade room so take that with a grain of salt but they are Correct with the article, they were indicating that whoever had the data was already trying to sell it um, on the black market, which is not far fetched. Um, so I think they gave, I don't know, do I still have it? Um, they, uh, let me see if I have it on my phone still. Well, they said they're going to give customers two years of free identity protection from services through McAfee, which again, McAfee's had their own issues. Ooh, they've been <laughs> breached. Rec- right. <laughs> They're also recommending all postpay customers change their account pins. So most of the breach happened to uh, postpaid customers, which I think the difference between postpaid and prepaid is prepaid people, you sign up for a contract, you load up your credit card information, they bill you monthly for your account that you're going to use that month. Postpaid people is the people who you buy minutes. That's an outdated term, 
but you know, you use your you buy a data plan and it's kind of deducted from that. Right. Exactly. So that's the difference. The majority of this came from uh, the breach came from postpaid users, but there are roughly 850 prepaid users who were also exposed. So again, I'll have to change my uh, hookup this week from if you have T-Mobile, which I do, uh, change your account username and password. I'm going to change that to not just for T-Mobile, but in general, because breaches are going to happen. Just freeze your account, your your credit report account. Put a credit, yeah. Put a credit, put a freeze on your credit report. And, and what that does is, if you try and open something, there's a certain passphrase or it's certain things that you have to do extra in order right. to use. When you, run, when you run your credit to get a car or to get a house or apply for a loan or start a business or whatever the case may be, they're not going to let you run. They're not going to automatically give you that uh, credit or allow you to complete that credit check until you, the owner, manually allow that particular check to run. So that's just going to have to be what it is. You know, just go in and freeze your accounts and the only credit checks, the only new accounts that get opened in your name are the ones you manually approve via Mm -hmm. the credit bureau. Yep. It's just, and honestly, I think everybody should do that anyway, because like you mentioned, data breaches are far and wide. Um, you know, it could be as something as simple as you using, you know, free internet somewhere because everybody's, oh my God, I need to be on the Wi-Fi and you just hop on anybody's Wi-Fi. You don't know who's spoofing that information, who's tracking the traffic that's coming in and out of that network. So yeah, um, this is definitely something you need to to make sure that you are apprised of and are taking uh, precautionary steps to make sure that your identity isn't stolen or that you know uh, accounts aren't opening your name without your knowledge. So um, definitely take that to heart. Um, if you are a T-Mobile user, if you're not a T-Mobile user, it's just something to um, to to definitely be mindful of and to make sure that um, you are aware of what's going on with your credit history. All right. Um, yeah, so I saw this article on PC Mag and I thought that it was quite interesting from the perspective that we've talked about it multiple times, especially in For the Culture, how people overshare on social media. They are talking about everything. They just, you know, just... It's just like a regurgitation of whatever is going on in your mind. Let me put it on social media without even giving the thought, especially with um, the younger generation who have only known the Internet, who have only known Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They don't know anything other than that. So there is this new uh, mental health app that is trying to help um, Gen Z, which I think is what age 16 to 24, Mm-hmm. Um, to, to be a little bit more mindful of what they post on social media, particularly with this group. Um, they are still growing mentally as well. Um, and the fact that we are, have been in essential lockdown for, you know, the last 18 months, things are slowly opening back up, but this app is called Evermore and it's, um, uh, being touted as a quote, emotional wellness GPS for uh, Gen Z, again, 
16 to 24. So it's using um, uh, a combination of different things, um, including AI. It's, it's, it's basically allowing the users to go onto this app and instead of just, you know, kind of throwing out whatever you want on social media, let's go through the steps on this app to find out other ways you can, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Other express ways you yourself. can, yeah, express yourself without just putting something you may regret out in the heat of the moment. Um, and it's basically kind of like therapy in the form of an app that's catered to this particular um, age group. And it's helping because, you know, the, the massive amount of information that, you know, we as adults um, are bombarded with every day. I think a lot of times, you know, this Gen Z group, they are doubly bombarded with this information, you know, from their peers, from marketers, from advertising, and then just being out, you know, in the world anyway, with their minds and their um, intellect not fully developed yet. Um, so it uses, this app uses a combination of quote, uh, voice and emotion AI, um, which includes voice-based reflections, audio journaling, interactive quests, uh, and all of this is to establish what they call a baseline for how the user, these 16 to 24 year olds naturally process language. So in essence, it's trying to give you other avenues to express yourself without having to express yourself on social media. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> this is only as useful as, as the user's patience is for actually using it, right? Yeah. From what it sounds like is this is AI and machine learning and some work on the front end for the user. The app then kind of learns who you are, kind of learns your um, your moods, your habits, your habits. It learns all of these things and does a and in the attempt to give you a better way to you know reach conclusions you know feel good you know uh calm you down cool you down give you clarity all those things versus trying to go to social media to do that the negative again like i mentioned is social media is instant mm -hmm. i can instantly go on twitter instantly open up instagram or whatever the case may be and throw up all this stuff right and you will get immediate feedback whether it be good bad whatever or different or yes. indifferent or off subject, which is a personal pet peeve of mine. <laughs> if I am putting something online, asking a question or talking about a subject. Don't so go off on a tangent people, in my comments. Everybody off tangent. <laughs> I say, you know, men should do more to take care of their kids. Right. And here comes somebody. Well, what about the women and women? I'm like, man, I didn't say nothing about women. I'm I not said, talking about them. Men need to do better. <laughs> If you want to talk about do that someplace else, this is make not, your anyway, own post. <laughs> I digress. I, I didn't want to get off track. But the point I'm trying to make is um, this sounds like it takes some time for the app to learn you to better help you. And I just hope that people who actually need an app like this will take the time to go through the process to get the assistance. Because, right. you know, again, 
a problem that social media, the internet has created, not solely created, but added to is our attention span, which is super short. Mm -hmm. So hopefully people take the time to do this. You know, uh, my gut feeling is, eh, I'll just go on Twitter. <laughs> and yeah, and deal with the fallout later. Um, right. It's also important to know that this app is still, um, it's not on in the market yet. The, um, the founder is still in the bootstrapping um, part of this venture and they're relying on crowdsourcing for the app launch. Um, and um, she's partnered with a couple of other different AI companies um, to try and, you know, keep the overhead low and to get this out to market. Um, so I guess it's really just something to keep an eye on. And again, it's like Terrence said, it really is one of those things where you're, you're trying to be conscious of what you put out there. And again, with this age group, um, it's all instant. And so, uh, you know, I think based on what I, I've seen, um, and what she's saying in the, in the article, that this is, you know, definitely something I could see that is going to be helpful. I think where she's going to come into some issues are, is getting people to consistently, you know, buy into it, to use it so that they do get the actual benefit. And the fact that there is going to be, um, some fee associated with it. Um, she's looking at what, nine ninety-five to fifteen. 95 based on the particular package that you um, choose along with in-app purchases for extended features. So, you know, that's another barrier as well. Twitter's fee free, Instagram's free, TikTok's free. Um, so that's just something that you kind of have to uh, keep in mind as well um, with these type of things. But I think overall, the idea behind it is, is uh, I think it's a smart one. And I think it would definitely um, help, you know, especially this younger generation with how they communicate. But again, um, there are some hurdles that she definitely has in front of her to be able to to bring this to market and to be successful. All righty then, that is it for Second String. Let's head on over to For the Culture. We have a couple things to talk about in For the Culture. Um, the first thing I wanted to mention, um, uh, this past Friday, Lizzo released a new song and video along with Cardi B called Rumors. Um, and uh, Lizzo has been attacked yet again, um, on the different platforms. Um, and for me, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, she got really emotional and upset and started to cry when she went on like a, a Instagram live. I think the live was maybe only 15 minutes. And I'm seeing now <clears throat> that she's done a couple of interviews with, uh, she's done an interview with Good Morning America. Um, she's done a couple of articles, and other things talking about it. But the perspective that I want to talk about is um, it's all wrapped up in the guise of, you know, I just, I just don't, it's something about her. I don't like, um, I can't quite put my finger on it. We've heard that time and time again, but at the basis of the attacks are two things, fat phobia and racism. So it's like two sides of, 
two different completely coins are coming together like Optimus Prime to to attack um, Lizzo merely because I think she is a very confident woman um, in her skin. Um, Lizzo is um, a fat, black, dark-skinned lady, and fat is not used in a derogatory term. It's just what it is, just what it is and what she describes herself as. Um, and it's one of those things where she makes traditionally pop music. So a lot of people I saw on Twitter, it was just kind of going back and forth. Who does she make music for? I don't really like it. And if you don't like someone's music, if you don't like the product that they're putting out, you don't have to consume it. And also you don't have to try and use that as a way to say, to, to, to attack someone physically based on physicality. Because she does have, she does twerk. She does wear the short shorts. She does, you know, put it out there and she's confident in her skin. And then of course the racism because she is a brown skin uh, black woman as well. So it's just one of those things where social media just really can be a cesspool. And all she did was release a song and a video, which is her profession. And she just got relentlessly attacked and it's still going. And she, like I said, she's doing, you know, interviews about it now. And it's just to say that if you don't like someone's music, that's fine. But that doesn't give you license to go into bully and harass them because of you're shrouding it in, oh, I just don't like the song. Well, if you don't like the song, just say that. That's fine. Why do you have to say, I don't like the song? And she she does too much twerking or she's promoting an unhealthy lifestyle and all blah, 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 blah. It's just, it's really overwhelming and it's a lot. And people say, well, why don't she just, you know, get off social media and, and it's not that big of a deal. She can just ignore people. People on social media now, if you go on social media now and say something about somebody and you get five comments that are negative to what you're talking about, people flip out. Just imagine imagine millions of people just mm-hmm. attacking you for days, just nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. Well, she she's famous. She should be used to this. She should know this is what she signed up for. She did not sign up to be attacked and harassed because of her weight and because of her size and because of her skin color she makes music because that's her profession and she's good at it so it just I, a lot of people have all of these things to say and you know they're so big and bad and I could handle it I could do this or that and you could not walk a day in the mile of the shoes of a Lizzo a Cardi B a Rihanna uh, Beyonce, the amount of hate that these women get for just literally one existing and two doing their job. Right. Um, I hope she's getting the help that she needs because what not counterpoint, but what I am noticing a lot of people do, and I kind of mentioned it before in the previous uh uh topic. What I'm seeing a lot of celebrities do is they are looking to the world for their, similar to how we do, I think celebrities also go to the world because in the one of her 
uh, comments. She says, you know, um, I just feel like the world doesn't love me back. I hope that she doesn't think the world and not just Lizzo, all celebrities, just people in general. Please, I want people to recognize that social media is not the world. And I hope she isn't looking to the world, i.e. social media, for praise, for upliftment, if that's even a word, for support, for, you know, love. Because But isn't that what people do? She's still a person, even though she is a superstar. Absolutely. The average person still actually that's what they go for. Therapy. I hope yeah. she's actually talking to somebody that can actually help her um deal with this because mm-hmm. it is a problem. I agree hundred yeah. percent. It is a problem. Uh you know ugh, it, it's just I hope she's getting the help that she needs versus um expecting or looking for uh this acceptance through social media because it's not coming. It's not coming. These people Ever. are going evil. These people are going to look they're looking they're just hateful. their thoughts and their feelings onto other people and they the lack of happiness that. in their own lives. Right. They lack happiness in their own lives. So what they're going to do is look to somebody to be able to project that on or to make people feel just as low as they feel. Mm-hmm. And it tends not, I don't say it works. Um, but at the same time, I, 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 like I mentioned, I hope she's getting help because this is a, this is a big issue. I wouldn't want to deal with this, you know, this type of issues that she's dealing with. And the whole know, mammy thing. I was just right. like, y'all right. don't even know what mammy means. Right. They're not using <laughs> it correctly. It's not, not at all. Um, but even still, it's like I, I hope she's getting the help that she needs outside of going to social media because that's not going to work. It's not mm-hmm. people, you know, it is impossible. You're right. It's impossible to ignore all of the hate when specifically there are probably more people that love Lizzo more than the people that hate Lizzo. But and the louder the the the, the smaller majority minority of people seem the ones that get the most attention. You kind know, of like and, what we talked about earlier with the right. with the safari fix. Was it right. and, really you know, that many people that disliked it or just they were loud? Right, right. But that's not gonna stop. Nope. You know, I hope I I I hope her speaking out the same thing with um with uh with um the tennis player Naomi Osaka. Naomi Osaka, yeah. You know, uh, She's still getting an uh, issues. Same thing and, uh, with uh, Simone what? Miles, yeah. Same thing with Serena Williams. They just made Naomi Osaka cry again right. earlier this with week. A reporter did, people, yeah. You know, it's not going to stop. So I guess my suggestion, because I don't have, I don't have a. Here's what you need to do. You know, here. Well, I, let me remember phrase. I don't have a a good explanation for why people do what they do, because that's just who we are. You know, and so I'm not my, a mental health professional, so I can't provide right, right. any so type I, of actionable items that you know, she can take. I to, can see this yeah. being a big issue, you know, to where it, it messes with her, you know, mental stability. So I hope. Yeah, because she got off Twitter for like a year. Right. And she right. just really kind of got back on to promote this song. And this uh, is what she kind of comes back to. So I hope for her, this is proof positive that 
to find what you are looking for out of life, go to a therapist, go to a psychologist, get a support group, you know, you know, get you a group of lean into your people, your tribe, you know, your tribe. Right. Don't expect this from social media because it's going to let you down every time. Every single time. (laughs) It's going to let you down. So, yeah, I just hope she's getting that versus, you know, um, waiting or expecting people from social media and the Internet in general to love you because it ain't coming. Yeah. And I honestly I think she may know that, especially since she took, you know, the sabbatical off of, of Twitter. And what I think this also does, she has a huge platform. I I was going to say bring awareness, but I think people are already quite aware of the bullying that uh, takes place, the harassment that takes place, the fat phobia that takes place, the racism that takes place on social media apps. We've seen it time and time again. This is just another instance. We'll probably have another instance, unfortunately, next week. It's just one of those things where you can't, you can't control other people. You can't control, you can't use technology to solve all of the world's social ills because there's this one factor, which is human nature that cannot be accounted for in tech. Oh, you can count on it. (laughs) Accounted for, accounted for meaning that you can't rely on technology to fix it. You can put all the filters you want. You can allow people to block. You can apply people to mute, but at the same time, people are going to find a way to circumvent these barriers to just Mm -hmm. be awful, awful people, just because Mm -hmm. there are just some miserable, awful people in this world. And the only way they can make themselves feel better is to go on attack someone who's talented, someone who's successful, someone who's wealthy. And that's just what their thing is like, you know what? I may not be able to do what you do, but I'm going to make your life miserable because I can't do it. And so there. And then again, there are just some people who are trash people. Yep, I agree. All right. Um, the next thing on tap, uh, Malice at the Palace. I haven't watched it yet, but I've seen some clips and I've seen some very interesting comments um, around um, some of the, some of the people that were interviewed um, Mm -hmm. talked about outside of the players. So I will let you take this. Yeah. So I I am an Indiana Pacer fan. Um, I was actually watching that game. Uh, For those who don't know, it was nicknamed Malice of the Palace. Uh, 2004, I think it was, uh, the Pacers, uh, Indiana Pacers and Detroit Pistons were pretty uh, heated rivalries in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Detroit Pistons beat the Pacers the previous year to then go on and and win the championship. Uh, The Pacers reloaded. They got a couple extra people, Jermaine O'Neal being this hot shot that came came out of high school, straight into the NBA, drafted to, uh, I want to say, uh, San Antonio, but I, I'm pretty sure that's not correct. But then Google Indiana it. Pick- I'm sorry. I just said Google it to find out oh, right, who right. it is. Yeah, uh, I think San Francisco. Uh, no, not San Antonio. I think. But then Indiana picked him up the year after Detroit beat him. Um, they also brought in um, what is his name? Uh, Ron Artest. No, uh, he was there. Um, 
um, uh, the other guy. Oh, I can't think of it. I can see his face. Anyway, they brought, they reloaded. Um, Steven, got what's his name? Steven Jackson. That's yeah. Name. Uh, they brought in Steven Jackson from another team. This kind of uh, edgy, because Ron Artest. Rough and rugged. Yeah. Right. And, and that, that edge that they needed, because Detroit Pistons at the time the were, bad like, boys. were edgy. Uh, you know, they, you know, they, the Indiana Pacers needed that extra kick, you know, so they brought in these three guys, you know, all of them in the, 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 um, documentary does a good job of giving you the backstory of all the individual pieces, Ron Artest, Jermaine O'Neal, Stephen Jackson, even Reggie Miller to a certain extent, because mm-hmm. he was kind of like the, the elder statesman that was kind of tasked with kind of getting these young cat- cats to work together, you know, and then that kind of leads up to this rematch with Detroit Pistons. Uh, the game goes on. Uh, Indiana's blowing them out. Um, you know, towards the end of the game, Indiana would not get off of there, would not let off of them, uh, was still had their starters in towards the end of the game. Of course, that rubbed the Detroit Pistons the wrong way because, you know, as customary when you're blowing a team out you kind of put in the second and the third string and let them get their minutes you know indiana wasn't doing that detroit pistons kind of felt sort of sort of a uh slight way about it yes right right um ron artest being the tough defensive player that he is metal world uh, peace yeah ben uh ben wallace on the detroit pistons went up for a shot ron artest gave him a hard foul ben wallace didn't appreciate that you know, they were they went John, they did a little scuffle back and forth. They separated the people. Ben Wallace still was kind of John at him, actually threw some of his armbands and his headbands in the direction of the Pacers and Ron Artest. According to the documentary, according to people, you know, who were in the area, they said the fans who were already drunk, who were uh, already rowdy, already rowdy, pissed they were being blown out. <laughs> Yes, they were being blown out, were kind of trickling down into the expensive seats because since they were getting blown out, the season ticket holders, the regular people to sit down there, had already left. So the people were trickling down, they're getting blown out, they're drunk. You know, you add fuel to the fire of the Detroit Pistons actually throwing things in their direction. Mm-hmm. One of the player, one of the people in the stands threw a cup, hit Ron Artest, who had cooled down. He's laying on the scores table, which that was another thing. People kind of got antsy about how dare he lay on the table when he was really the one like, all right, let me cool back. Let me chill out Threw the cup on him. He jumps into the stands. Chaos. Right. So the documentary tells a good does a good job of painting the picture of all the things that led up to that um, altercation, because the way the media portrayed the actual confrontation, they uh, blame the players. Mm-hmm. The video that we saw on a loop, loop, loop through ESPN, all the news, they 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 show the instance to where Ron Artest gets up, jumps into the stands. They don't do any extra due diligence to paint a picture. Again, the media, you know, again, hungry for a story, like Nika mentioned, uh, blame the players, called the players thugs, said these hip-hop, this hip-hop generation is kind of rubbing off onto these NBA players. They don't they don't have any class. You know, they don't know how to act as millionaires. 
oh, they they want people. All to, the dog whistles. Be, yeah, all the dog whistles wanted to, you know, they're babies. They want to be treated special. They need to stand up for themselves, millionaires. So as a result of all that negative energy and all that press, mind you, nobody really pointed the picture at, oh, we need to find these people who... Who actually started all of this? Started all of this. You know, the NBA comes down, puts these tough penalties on Ron Artest, give him a year suspension. They give Jermaine O'Neal and Steven Jackson, who again, were just defending their players because you think about it, 12 to 15 players against 20, 30,000 people. In a hostile environment. (laughs) In a hostile environment, right? So they uh, uh, levy all these uh, punishments again to nothing for the crowd though yeah what you, what you say i said nothing for the crowd they don't put any right. type of to restrictions on fans, fans. Because, because the nba is a money-making organization and, and it's who, a black organization and who gives out the money the fans so at the time david stern who in my opinion was one of the worst worst NBA, but that's a whole nother story um levy these stiff punishments and then the documentary again like i said um, it's a good watch is because they do a good job of painting the picture, giving you the whole story as to all of these players, individual, um, um, their individuality at the time and how that kind of all built up together. You know, Ron Artest, who is now Meta World Peace, you know, he talked about his mental issues, which back in 2004, wasn't nobody talking about mental health. Wasn't Especially not around black people. Especially around around black people, especially and rich black men. Yeah, right. So, um, the 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 documentary does a good job of painting that picture. The documentary also does a good job of giving you the whole story of what happened after that, specifically with the fans. Uh, they had the nerve. Did they have, have the dude on there? What you say? Did they have the dude on there that threw the cup? Yes, they interviewed. Okay. They no, they didn't interview him. The documentary brought up un, um, unreleased footage mm. of interviews with him, right? Because at the time, nobody wanted to hear, nobody wanted to do any work to find out who this guy was. Mm-hmm. The documentary found the people and found these, uh, you know, unreleased uh, interviews of him. They also had the nerve to bring the guy down. There was another guy, and I don't know if you remember the actual instance, the interca- the altercation, but after... The guy in the stands threw the cup on Ron Artest and all that stuff. They mm-hmm. cooled everybody down. Some of the fans came down out of the stands onto the court and confronted some of these players. So they had the nerve to bring one of the, the, the fans down. And his thing was, again, how dare they attack the fans. And I was just a person. Still? Yeah, still. To this day. Wow. To, to the making of this documentary. He's still being interviewed by these people still from the standpoint of, you know, these players, you know, they should they should be the ones who are the bigger man. And, you know, I I can't believe that the the Pistons uh, organization, you know, let their fans down, you know, just just crap. But they really do think they own these players. Right. They really do think they own them. Exactly. And that was kind of the sentiment that people kind of got. And especially, again, with like you said, with the dog whistles and then fast forward to, you know, you 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 look at that and then you fast forward that to the recent altercations. At the Chargers game? What you say? At the Chargers game? Uh, not just that. Just NBA. Okay. Russell okay. Westbrook. 
um, um, the I want to say Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of these players. Uh, uh, I, I think somebody in Boston. I can't think of who it was. But these players, fast forward to today, Utah Jazz uh, fans, you know. Oh, LeBron they, in Atlanta with the right, chick right. and the dude. Exactly. People, you know, fat, and then so you know, it just it just shows how. The, and then you know, uh, another thing I mentioned how the public um, thoughts and the public idea about how players, NBA players, should act and behave and dress. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this came about this altercation, but then shortly after that, the NBA instituted the dress code mm-hmm. because according to the public sentiment, hip hop ideas and values are starting to leak in headbands, baggy yeah. shirts, jerseys, dread cornrows. Yeah, the cornrows and the tattoos and the jerseys and the chains. So they instituted a dress code. Who's all wearing that now? And respectability politics. Definitely. If if you if you look better and you and you look the part, then you'll behave better, right? So and you'll be treated better, which we so all know is not true. And again, fast forward to today, you know, you still got fans feeling like they own these players and these fanatics. That's probably one of the reasons why I'm not as a as of a fanatic as I probably normally would be, is because I subconsciously rebel against people who are that die hard of fans like i'll go to the barbershop and uh you'll listen to the guys talk about their team their team their team right and they'll argue about the stats and they'll well, well what we gonna do this year you can, you better watch out we i'm like man you cut hair <laughs> you are you not on- are not on the team you didn't <laughs> even play varsity in high school bro so right, true right. it's we we ours mine and you know, so, uh, you know, uh, I digress. But again, I think the it really does a good job of showing you how people, fans in particular, how, you know, carried away and how they make decisions, do things, say things and really don't stop to realize the humanity behind some of these players the same way, like you said, with Lizzo. You know how these social media people, you know, people on social media, they really don't see a human behind the celebrity. They just see a person that they can. You they know, see merchandise. Right. They see property. They see property. Bodies. Human, which yeah. will allow them to say these things to her when they wouldn't say that to anybody else that they know personally. You know, And so, a lot of times. You know, the same things they're saying about, you know, her or any of these other players, especially as it relates to the physicality of it. A lot of times they're in the same boat. Right. But right. they feel that sh- they, She's these different. celebrities are special cases that right. they are allowed to say these right. things about right. these folks. Yeah. So definitely watch it. You know, again, you know, yeah, it's definitely on the queue. Yeah, they talk about, you know, how, you know, as a result of that, there was missed opportunities. Like I mentioned, I'm a big Pacers fan and everybody just knew that the Pacers, once they reloaded, uh, Reggie Miller at the time of the incident was injured. But, you know, he was going to come back and they were going to contend for the championship. And as a result of these suspensions that came down, that kind of that window for them to win the championship kind of evaporated, you know, Jermaine O'Neal. Uh, never kind of you can tell he still kind of regrets all of that stuff that happened. He never really got his career back. Reggie Miller 
ended up retiring, never mm-hmm. had to have won a championship, you know, and it kind of talks about how all the, how, you know, Ron Artest now. And the um, ringer they put Ron Artest through. I mean, right, right. Geez. You know, luckily he was able to come out on the other side of it. You know, he talked about, you know, Tim seeing his therapist, you know, him wanting uh, peace, which is kind of why he changed his name to Meta World Peace. You know, they, they kind of explain the meaning behind that. You know, he was able to go on and actually win a championship and he expressed regret because he said, you know, back then I did not know how to manage my anger. And one of the ways I did it was to run away. So after that suspension, he asked to be traded from the Indiana Pacers. And like I said, Steven Jackson, Jermaine O'Neal, they were kind of angry at him for saying, look, man, we know you didn't start this thing, but you were kind of like the launch pad for this whole thing to happen. We backed you up, put Mm -hmm. our own selves, put our own lives, put our own careers on the line. And then you leave. You know, so they, you know, they kind of talked about that. So it was a a real good documentary about, you know, something that happened in my lifetime that I can remember Mm -hmm. and then actually having to go back and kind of see all the different angles and things. I was like, that's right. I mean, I was watching it and I was tense actually watching it because you knew it was going to happen. But you you was like, come on, man, just don't, you know, don't light the fire to send the rocket off. Just don't light it. And then what happens? Somebody living through it, you know. It was very, very tense moments specifically. So I think, but again, that's the whole point. You know, if they can get you tense like that, then they've done their job. So definitely a good thing to watch. Yep. All right. Um, Let's head on over to the hookup. Um, I think you had something related to (laughs) T-Mobile. Right. We already talked about (laughs) it earlier. Change your passwords if you can. Uh, Add two-factor authentication if you can. Again, that's not going to reverse the fact that some of your data may have gotten leaked to people. Um, if you want to take this step further, uh, go freeze your accounts. And this goes for anybody nowadays, because like Nika mentioned, uh, leaks and data breaches and leaked information, it's it's pretty much here to stay. So the best way you can protect yourself specifically from identity theft, credit fraud, is to freeze your credit reports. And when you know you have to apply for credit for a house, for a mortgage, a loan, for a car, whatever the case may be, know that you're going to get flagged and you're going to have to go through those extra steps. Put some extra steps, extra to work. Approve, to approve those uh, checks. But that means that nobody else can just randomly do it either. Yep. Correct. All right. That is it for this week. Um, definitely download, rate, and review us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can definitely engage with us on social media. We're at Twitter. Um, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at Snob West Cast everywhere. You can also watch us on our YouTube channel, which is at Snob West Cast. Definitely make sure to like and subscribe our channel. That definitely helps us in the metrics. Also, feel free to leave us uh, any comments or suggestions on our website um, at snobblewestcast.com. You can email us at snobblewestcast at gmail.com. Also, if you want to help us and support the show financially, you can do that in two ways. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash snobwestcast and sign up for a monthly um, subscription. And with that $5 per month, you get access to our pre-show content, access to our live show taping, and access to our chat community. Also, you can give us a one-time love offering via PayPal at paypal.com 
me slash Snobble West. Definitely want to shout out uh, one of our listeners, a friend of mine, uh, Tina, um, for sending us over a one-time love offering. We definitely appreciate it and we will definitely put that to use. Yep, and with go, that... It'll go to the building fine. <laughs> Alright, and that's it for this week. Thanks everybody. We'll talk to you later. Peace. Bye. <laughs>